Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Mama Mystery. Today we are finally talking about the Casey Anthony case. This is a case I followed extensively when it was actively going on and I've brought this case up a lot in my past episodes and I got a ton of feedback from listeners who said I should make an episode about this case. Um, Most people who follow true crime are well aware of this story but believe it or not I am marrying someone next month who doesn't really care for true crime and is not aware of this case. So, everybody. I brought him in to join me on this episode while I tell him all about the monster that is Casey Anthony. So welcome, my fiancé, Austin. Hello, everybody. (laughs) Are you excited? I am. I listen to these podcasts on my walk every night and... I mean, Kelly's made me like true crime more than I've ever liked it. So tell me what you do know about Casey Anthony, if anything. So really all I know is that she was crazy, killed a baby. And was, did she kill a baby with hangers? What? No. Okay, no. okay I don't know. I thought didn't somebody <laughs> killed somebody with hangers Like or maybe in a movie. This is awful. I think that's I Mommy she, Dearest, okay, which she, would I, be fitting for her. I know that she killed some kid and there was evidence stacked against her, but she... Well, don't away give away too it. much. But I don't know anything else besides that. And I have a buddy that thinks she's like the hottest thing Oh in the my world. God, which is so disappointing. And we're not even going to name that person. Cause... We'll keep his name off this. Oh, We'd have to beat okay. it out. Yeah. But yeah, he thinks she's super hot. So. Super hot? Like, yeah. I, that really just makes absolutely no sense in my mind. How anybody could look at a picture of her and think she's hot. Maybe I'm the only one. Maybe there are people out there who think that she's attractive. I don't know. Like in the documentaries that I've watched of her, people do comment on how this was such a sensational case because she was this attractive mom. But after I watched so many interviews with her and just knowing deep down into my core what she did to her daughter and how manipulative and... Well, I don't think a lot of people are looking at her personality, but I uh, I didn't think the pictures you showed were that impressive. Well, I hope you're not just saying that because I'm sitting here, but... I didn't. Okay, good. Okay, well, this is one of the most confounding cases I've ever come across. I remember this case so vividly because when I was in college, I watched a lot of Nancy Grace. Shocker. (laughs) Kelly watches, just so everybody knows, Kelly spends time watching meth documentaries. (laughs) Um, trash TV, love after lockup. You're just saying that because that's any, what I've been watching any today. Murder shows, um, <laughs> five thousand pound life, six hundred six hundred pound life. Yeah, yeah, nobody can like sustain a five thousand uh, pound lifestyle. It's rough, but anyways, yeah. Kelly watches all the trash TV you can imagine. So her watching Nancy Grace for hours on end is not as impressive. While I was in college, that's everyone else is like out at the hawk and you know being normal college students, and that's the way I choose to. She's spend my time and I realized that's super cool I actually remember I was living alone and I remember I would have like nightmares and I was like man why am I having such awful nightmares and it's because I was falling asleep listening to Nancy Grace that's why I had to shut her off (laughs) 
So Nancy Nancy Grace labeled Casey Anthony the top mom. Wait, and isn't Nancy Grace kind of like a psycho though? I mean, she's a little wild, yeah. She's a little... She's got loud opinions. And she's very loud and yeah. she's very repetitive. I remember her in the movie. What's the movie? Oh, Gone Girl. Gone Girl. Yeah, Gone Girl is kind of like a depiction of the Scott and Lacey Peterson case. And I feel like it really closely resembled that whole story, except if you've seen Gone Girl, like the main plot twist, you know, is is not in relation to the Peterson case. But there was an outspoken blonde news reporter that... Is that her on there? No, it's not her, but it's supposed to resemble her, so... They don't sit down with Nancy Grace in that movie? No, they don't, no. She just was an actress. Oh boy. Um, so anyway, she labeled Casey, Casey Anthony the tot mom, and she covered her literally every single night. The what mom? The tot mom. Tot? Tot, because her daughter was a toddler. Oh. Yeah. That's clever. It was the same stuff every night, but I was hooked. I'm not even sure what drew me into the case, if it was Nancy's over-the-top commentary or Casey's stone-cold narcissism or maybe both, but locals from the area literally swarmed their home, spewing threats and insults at the entire Anthony family. Fights broke out. Children were even brought to the Anthony home to witness all this chaos. It was absolutely insane. And Casey Anthony soon became the most hated woman in America. Um, I remember exactly where I was the day they announced the verdict, and here we are 10 years later, and this case still gets talked about. I was actually watching The Office the other day. That's another show that you know I love. Um, And (laughs) there was an episode where Dwight is heading a group of employees to open a saber store down in Florida, but he doesn't like the team that he's been given. So he's trying to convince them not to go. And he sets up this conference room to depict life in Florida. He turns the heat up in the room really high. He let out a a ton of mosquitoes into the room. And on the walls are pictures of swamps, hurricanes, spring break partiers doing a beer bong from like a huge bong with eight hoses coming out of it. And then there's a picture of Casey Anthony. Really? Yeah. Just another reason to like love that show. You'll never know though because you don't watch that either. If we were around groups of friends we have, everybody would be laughing and joining in. Except for Austin. Austin would be sitting on the side having FOMO. Fear of missing the office. That's right. So Casey grew up with both parents in the home and a brother, Lee. Casey was involved in high school sports, and her parents did make comments that she was a bit of an over-exaggerator and that she seemed comfortable with lying about stupid things. Um, And then when she became pregnant at the age of 19, she tried hiding it from her parents until it was impossible to hide her baby bump. You can't hide it I mean, I don't know how people get away with that. Like, people who say, I didn't know I was pregnant until they go in and, like, have horrible stomach cramps and they pop out a baby. Like, how? Hiding it from your parents? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. But this just kind of goes to show you what type of person she was. Like, she was just, she would do whatever she could at any cost to hide her lies. Did she get pregnant as a one-night stand or, like, a relationship? So, we actually, and I'll talk about this later, but they actually don't know who Kaylee Anthony's dad is. There was like a whole cast of characters so that it could have been. Maybe a little bit of a home, maybe a little bit of daddy issues. So is she still out there right now? She is out and about. So she could listen to this podcast. She could. She won't. If probably, you're out there, but... Casey, you're a hoe. <laughs> oh my God. That's horrible. <laughs> that's too much. Sorry, like, guys. That out. I'm just kidding. Nobody, nobody's going to like be mad at that because everybody hates her, right? Right. Okay. Yeah, I just don't know like what kind of language you can use. I guess you can cuss. On this this isn't Are YouTube. Are you allowed to cuss on your podcast? I think so. I don't see why not. Shit, we better find out. I think it's your rules. Okay, if these are my rules, you can you can cuss a little bit. That's fine. Hell yes. 
There could be moms listening in the car, though. Uh, they'll they'll relate. The kind of moms that I relate to most are the kinds who like listen to Baby Shark and a little bit of Cardi B. Yeah, but I don't think they're going to be listening to killer podcasts with their kids in the car. Well, no, of course not. So probably say whatever they're not going to listen to Cardi B in the car either, so I would think. I mean, I don't know. Some parents are different. Okay, let's get back on track. Okay, so... Kaylee Marie Anthony was born on August 9th, 2005 in Orlando, Florida to Casey, who was 19 at the time. And I want to note that after she had Kaylee, the first person to hold Kaylee was actually Cindy, not even Casey. It was Cindy. Cindy is Casey's mom. So Casey's parents are Cindy and George Anthony, and they become huge characters in this whole story. But Cindy was the first person to hold Kaylee. And I feel like this is worth noting because I feel like this is the start of Casey's like desperation for her parents' attention. And so if she ever felt like Kaylee was getting more attention than Casey was, I feel like that might offer a little bit of motive as to why she would want Kaylee gone. But I don't know. I mean, I'm just kind of reaching. I just think it's important to note though. So um, they ended up living with Casey's parents and the family totally doted on little Kaylee. Kaylee loved to swim and swam frequently in their pool. And um, her bedroom was like this entire Winnie the Pooh theme. You could see that her closet was jam packed full of clothes and it looked like they were all on like the store hangers. So just by looking at that, I feel like people were probably buying Kaylee gifts all the time. Like her parents were probably out buying her stuff all the time. So I just feel like they totally, you know, it's just important to note that they totally doted on Kaylee. So maybe Casey got jealous of that. I don't know. But Casey was dating someone at the time that Kaylee was born. His name was Jesse. And they told him that Kaylee uh, was his daughter. However, a DNA test confirmed that he was actually not the father. Um, However, he still wanted to be involved in Kaylee's life, which was very noble of him. But Casey inevitably broke things off with him and began dating someone different. This was before the whole This is before everything happened. Yeah. This is before things went down. So he's still in her life. Who? Jesse? Yeah. No, they they dated um, while Kaylee was alive, but Casey admitted, or no, I guess they took a DNA test and Jesse found out that Kaylee was not in fact his daughter and then Casey ended up breaking up with him anyway. So So he wasn't around through the, through the like death? No. Mm -mm. No, Casey started dating someone new, um, but we'll get to that in a second. And there were other contenders to Kaylee's paternity, but two of them had actually passed away in separate car accidents. And to this day, Kaylee's father is still unknown. We still don't know who Kaylee's actual father is. That's weird. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess she was maybe a little bit of a hoe. Yeah. So in May of 2008... Casey started dating a new guy, Tony Lazaro. So this is her boyfriend throughout everything, okay? Tony Lazaro. She would hang out at his apartment frequently and would sometimes bring Kaylee with her to his apartment. His roommates described her as an adorable, polite, confident, fun-loving little girl, and they would describe Casey as a loving mom and never reported incidents of mistreatment. When Kaylee stopped coming around, one of the roommates asked where she'd been, and Casey would say, she's with my nanny or she's with my mom, but never gave the roommates any reason not to believe her. So when they heard that she had been missing for 31 days later in this story, they were shocked because they never let on to any trouble brewing. So this is where everything begins, okay? July 15th, 2008. 
At 8.09, there were three calls made to 911, starting with allegations of theft. Cindy called asking where she needed to bring her daughter Casey in order to press charges on her for stealing her car. And she also alleged that Casey was stealing from her and had bank statements to prove it. This is all within the first phone call. And what ended up happening was Casey was driving around her car that was titled in her parents' name. And she hadn't been coming home. And even if she did come home, she would just tell them she was going to work at her job at Universal Studios. And then they just never really saw much of her and they didn't see Kaylee either. But according to them, Kaylee was either with Casey at Tony's house or was with the nanny. And how old is Casey at this time? Um, I think she's probably 22, 23. Full-time job, like an adult. Yeah, that's what she's telling them, yes. So then um, Casey leaves the car, abandons the car, and the car gets towed. Well, since the, since the car is titled in Casey's parents' name, the letter noting, notifying them of the car, car being impounded goes to their home. So when Casey's parents get that letter, they flip out, they go over to Tony Lazaro's home, grab Casey, bring her home, and they're like, what the hell's going on? Like, so that's why they called 911 to report the theft of the car because they've just like had it with Casey. Then at 8.44 that night, Cindy calls back to say there's a possible missing child because she hasn't seen her granddaughter in over a month. She also told the operator that she hadn't seen Casey in a month either, but finally found her, just not with Kaylee. And then the third call comes in at 9.41, an hour later, an hour later, and it's Cindy again. She's hysterical saying that Kaylee is missing and that Casey said she's been, quote, taken, and that Casey has been trying to find her. Then Cindy says to the operator, there's something wrong. I found my daughter's car today, and it smells like there's been a dead body in the damn car. Then she says, oh my God, she finally admitted the babysitter stole her. So I assume at this point the deputy is on his way, but in the meantime, the operator wants to speak with Casey. In the background, you can hear Cindy hysterically tell George Kaylee is missing and hands the phone over to a stone-cold Casey. And she says, very matter-of-factly, Casey says, my daughter's been missing for the last 31 days. And she's super calm and matter-of-fact with this information, which to me is just so bizarre. The operator says, who has her? And Casey answers, her name is Zenaida Fernandez-Gonzalez. She's been the nanny for about a year and a half, almost two years. The operator asks, why are you calling now? Why didn't you call 31 days ago? And Casey responds coldly again. Like, it's almost like she's answering to a boss as to why she hasn't shown up to her job for 31 days. Like, you would not think by the tone of her voice that her child is missing and has been taken. Casey responds, quote, I've been looking for her and going through other resources to find her, which was stupid. Like, that's all she says. Yeah. Which was stupid? Yeah, that's what Casey says. She says that to the operator. I've been going, I've been looking for her and going through other resources to try and find her, which was stupid. Just like, what? It's already like you're guilty. Just lacking any sense. Do you have the call? Can you play the call? I can, but. I've been looking for her and have gone through other resources to try and find her. 
Since the calls, police... That's wild. Yeah. So I don't know how well that came across on the um, podcast because I was just playing that from my phone. But you can find it on YouTube. But you can find it on YouTube, yeah. That is crazy. Yeah, That's insane. like from the get, you're already guilty. Yeah. It's just like, how can you be so nonchalant and have no sense of urgency in your voice that your daughter's missing? Yeah, that's crazy. So obviously the thing that struck everyone was the fact that she was gone 31 days and that Casey didn't report her missing. It wasn't until the grandmother reported her missing that authorities finally were able to get involved. So in the beginning, Casey sticks to the story that Zenaida took Kaylee, and she was very detailed in the police report that she made, even offering a full sketch of Zenaida. And then also in the police report, she reiterates the words, my daughter, over and over, almost as if to remind whoever is reading that she is Kaylee's mother and mothers would never harm their daughters. But the irony here is that she let 31 days go by while, quote, her daughter was missing. And while she says in the report she spent every day looking for her, even stealing and lying from friends and family in order to find her, the reality is that she actually spent time, her time, quite differently. She was no desperate mother eager to find her child, and I'll get into those details in a little bit. But what are your thoughts? Like, can you imagine... (laughs) How, how is like her parents, could you look at your daughter and know, I mean. You don't even, you, I, I don't know. It's, it's weird because from listening to your other ones, your other stories, you don't even, like right now it's already obvious. Right. 31 days is a freaking A month, month an entire month. Imagine if Jack and Ken were going for a month. I can't, hey, I can't. You're gone, chilling. We don't know where they're at. We're trying to look for them still. Like it's just- and you know, like Cindy and Cindy and George, Casey's parents, were very involved. So it's not like so how did they not catch it earlier? Right. That's kind of what blows me away. Are like they, they ever in on it Kaylee later? was living there. Kaylee was living there. Her bedroom was at their home. See, so are they ever? Do they ever later in the story? Do they ever come in like as like? Yes. They. They, so like they. Maybe know what's up. Yeah, they, well, George later on becomes kind of a suspect and the defense kind of uses him as their scapegoat. But, um, but I mean, that is just something that makes you think, you know, like sometimes you have grandparents that aren't involved. Tony in your obviously kids. has to be in on it. I don't know. I mean, I'll, I'll kind of get into right, what going. he had to say keep too. Going, okay, going. okay, okay, okay. So this is crazy. In an effort to gather more information, deputies took Casey to her place of employment. She told them she was working at Universal Studios, which is also what she told her parents. So that's where she led them. When they got there, the security guard at Universal Studios said, I'm not finding an employee here by that name. Who is your supervisor? So Casey spits out some random name and the security says, or the security guard says, I can't find that either. So he asks, what's your extension? And she just spits out a number. What? When, <laughs> at what point do you throw in the towel on this one? This is like when I call high V, I'll call a high V in the oh middle gosh. of Minnesota or Iowa and I'll say, hey, I'm not going to be in for work tomorrow. And I make up a manager's name and everything. Like, yeah. what, what the hell? This is, this but this is, is how is, Austin except, likes to do pranks. Except you have the feds on you. Can we just you. point that out? Because you just started saying that. Like, yeah, whatever. They'll figure it out. So you have the feds on you and it's a case and you're just making up. The actual feds. Yeah. They're taking you. I mean, you have the entire car ride there. The entire walk up to the building and in your mind. To throw in the towel and say, hey, you know what, guys? Your mind has I to be racing. Like, how the hell am I going to pull this off? I'm just going to cross my fingers and hope for the best. Like, all I keep what? thinking about the whole time so far, and we're not even to the crazy parts, is like, 
this lady's still out there right now. Yeah. She could listen to this podcast. That She's is still out there, you crazy bitch. If you're listening, just oh how God, dare you? Stop. I don't want to look us up. She's obviously crazy. <laughs> She's obviously crazy. Okay. So they ask, what's your extension? She spits out a number. That extension doesn't exist. So at that point, the guard lets them through the gate and Casey leads them down all these hallways. What? She's passing by, she's passing by other employees, waving like emphatically like she knows them. And people are looking at her passing by like, who the, what, who? Like, and the feds behind her can see this. Like the investigators that are walking with her can see the way she's acting, how she's like flamboyantly being like, hey, how are you?" to these people she's like pretending to be coworkers yeah. with. And they're looking at her like, I've never seen that person before. That's <laughs> like, so awkward. How I can't awkward. Why would even let her in? I mean, I guess probably because she had federal investigators with her. So with them having like their, you know, badges, I, I'm guessing probably a security guard was like, well, you've got these people with you. I mean, sure, I guess do what you need to do. Like, I don't know if he walked with them. I don't know, but I do know. Was that the goal to go in there and interrogate other, not interrogate, to question other employees to about No, their initial goal was to take her to Universal Studios in hopes that it might prompt some sort of information. It might help yeah, her recall I mean. but, where... But Ultimately, it was nothing because nobody even knows who she yeah, is there. No, no. It was all a farce. Okay. So she finally ends up leading them down a dead-end hallway because she doesn't know where the hell she's going. And then finally, she turns around and says, I don't actually work here. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Are you kidding me? I feel like I'm talking about... Why didn't she throw in the towel 15 like minutes ago? Like our six-year-old daughter. Like, just somebody who just, like, lies and then gets caught up in Kennedy, their lies. Kennedy will have Oreos all over her face. Kennedy, did you eat cookies? No. No. Um, no, see, what happened was a yeah. raccoon came in. Yeah. My friends, watchers, will get that reference. You won't because you don't watch Friends either. I don't keep going. We don't have any of the same interests. Why are we getting married? Because we love each other very much. (laughs) So she finally admits to purposely misleading them. And they take her back to the station and they ask her if she like lied on purpose. And she says, yes, she did. So they arrest her and they charge her on July 16th with uh, child neglect, obstructing an investigation and lying to the police. So then with Casey in jail, police begin their own investigation, trying to piece together Kaylee's last whereabouts. And they're able to find that on Father's Day, June 15th, Kaylee and Casey visited the Anthony home and June 16th is the last time Kaylee was seen alive. So four days later on June 20th, okay, so four days after she's seen alive by her grandparents, Casey is seen partying at Fusion Nightclub in a super low-cut blue dress. That's one of the pictures that I showed you. And she participates in a hot body contest. And she's dancing on bar tops with this huge smile on her face. With if you her Google daughter missing. With her daughter missing. She has no idea. Nobody knows where her daughter is. This is already enough. She's guilty. Hang up. We're done. We're done. <laughs> you would... Oh, shh. Come on, Siri. <laughs> Siri's interrupting the whole damn podcast. Oh, Siri geez. thinks she's nuts, too. Okay, so if you Google the pictures of her, she looks like she's having the time of her life. Like, her smile is huge. So over the following month, she's also captured on various security cameras shopping without Kaylee. There's multiple instances where she's seen walking into Target and grabbing a cart, but she's by herself. 
She also gets a tattoo on her shoulder that says Bella Vita, which is Italian for beautiful life. Now, keep in mind, her story is that Kaylee was abducted by the babysitter, and Casey claims that she spent all this time looking for Kaylee. So why then is she pictured at bars, participating in hot body contests, getting tattoos that say beautiful life? Like, how beautiful is your life if your kid is missing? It makes no sense. So she's just like already painting this really, really, like this huge picture that's going to be really hard to defend, right? Does she have a... No, go ahead. Does she have an attorney? At this point, no. Okay. So when I, But she eventually gets when one. When is this? I want to hear when this is hitting national news and stuff and how it all unfolds. Yeah, well, Keep this on. is all the stuff that comes out on national news. And the thing is, this also plays a big part in the case because this is getting broadcast all over national news. How Nancy Grace. How did the national news catch this? As soon as they declared her a missing child and realized that she had been gone for 31 days, it immediately hit the news. But it wasn't until that phone call to 911 that, and like... how long did this whole entire case go on, like, publicly? A, a few years. She didn't, a I think... Years? Well, I mean, yeah, the trial didn't start until, I think, 2011. Oh, good Lord, Jandis. Hey, we're, like, halfway through. <laughs> well, no, I'm saying, good Lord, Jandis, like, what the hell? How's this... This lady's... I just keep going. Yeah, okay. I just keep saying keep going. Okay, okay, okay. So, June 27th. Casey abandons the car that is actually titled in her parents' name. June 30th, the car was impounded and a letter was sent to her parents. And then July 15th, 31 days after Kaylee was last seen, Casey's parents recover the car from the impound lot. And that's when they go track her down. So that's kind of the span of time. Like that's what was going on during those 31 days. Okay. So let's see, as I said before, the parents recall a terrible odor coming from the trunk of the car, and it was what they found in the car that would become three key pieces of evidence in the inevitable trial. In the trunk, they found a single strand of Kaylee's hair, the horrendous odor, which... In the trunk. In the trunk. Okay, one single strand, just one though. And then the horrendous odor and then traces of chloroform. Ooh. So, because of these findings, on October 14th of 2008, a grand jury indicts Casey on the following charges. First degree murder, aggravated child abuse, aggravated manslaughter of a child, and providing false information to a uh, LEO, a law enforcement officer. But at this, t- at this time, the case is completely circumstantial as they don't have a body. They still don't know where Kaylee is. They still haven't found her. They don't know where she is. And Casey's not giving them any information that'll lead them in the right direction. She's still claiming that Zanida, Zanny the Nanny is what she ended up being called, that she's the one who has her. But here's the thing. They went to the apartment. That was another thing. Casey led them to where Zanida apparently lived. They go in there and there was nobody in the apartment and nobody had lived there for months. And then they go to the leasing office and they say, where does this person live? And they say, we have no tenants here by that name. So did this lady never come up in the whole case? So no, the, it was all a complete made lie. Up a made up person. Oh my God. I kept waiting for you to say, so then they bring her in for a question. This person no. doesn't even exist. No, but there is someone who was named Zenaida Gonzalez who lived like farther away, who had nothing to do with this, but sued Casey for... Um, like slandering her name or definitely yeah because like she happened to have the same name that she came up with and she couldn't get a job she had absolutely nothing to do with this case wasn't even in the same city like nothing to do with it but just by luck or poor luck i guess she happened to have the name that casey just 
thought up in her head. So, so made up name person and Universal Studios made up name. Made up job. Mm -hmm. Wow. So, as I was saying, this is a completely circumstantial case as they don't have a body, which is really risky because that means the prosecution has to prove to a jury without a shadow of a doubt that Kaylee or that Casey killed Kaylee with intent. But how can they do that without a body? It was just a risk they were willing to take. That is until Kaylee's body was finally found two months later in December when a meter reader stopped along the side of the road to urinate in the woods and discovered a small human skull. No way. Yeah. Man, if you guys could see me, my jaw just dropped. That's nuts. Yeah. And that part long, gets even... How, how much later? That was in December, so it was six months six after months. she went six missing. Six months after she went missing. Well, yeah, six months after she went missing, five months from the phone call. Yeah, and she was found just just the outside is, the radius of their home. So, like, police will typically search a radius around the, the missing person's home, mm -hmm. and it was just outside of that radius that she happened to be found in, like, a swampy area off the side of a highway. <sighs> so... The Eddie on. So, <laughs> so the, um, what was I going to say? Was so, it just the skull? Yeah, so the, her skull and other remains were kind of found, like, scattered around. But she was located, like, within a trash bag, within another trash bag, within a laundry bag. And it was, like, and her skull had duct tape over it. Oh, my God. Yeah. So did, did and... Was it still being covered by the news? Was the attorney defending her? Oh stuff yeah, I remember the day this came out, like when they found the remains, so and they thought, no, no. Okay. At this point, I think she already had her attorney Jose Baez, but um, isn't he a big, big? Yeah, like, he's big time now. I think this was like his breakthrough. <laughs> breakthrough yeah, was this case? Shit, he got her off innocent. Jeez, oh, but anyway, that cost her. Jesus. Go well, <laughs> apparently it cost her sexual favors actually, because there's like. Rumors, I guess, from like bounty hunters that happen to work on this case or whatever, private investigators who said that they would walk in and find her doing like sexual favors to Jose Baez, and it was apparently like her way of payment because she had no no money. You surely got paid money, right? Yeah, this is a this is a whole like side note, and that's just hearsay. Did he get so we paid don't money also. I mean, I don't know. I'm assuming he probably got paid something. Jose, if you're out there, inbox Kelly. Why? What? Excuse me. No, I'm not like to Austin. tell. I want to know facts for the show. Oh Good Lord, Janice. No. Go ahead. With this the is going so south. Oh man, never Go ahead. again. Rabbit trail. Okay. Anyway, at this point, Kaylee's remains were impossible to identify without DNA, as they were totally skeletonized. They had been there for like six months in the swamp. Okay, like a hurricane had come through. So obviously, she's just, you know, it's awful. All that remained were bones with hair surrounding the skull and a piece of duct tape over the mouth area of the skull. And Kaylee's body was literally found minutes from the Anthony home. But here's a crazy fact. Roy Cronk was the meter reader who found Kaylee's remains. And he actually reported on the remains back in August. Okay, two months after she went missing. On August 11th, he found a suspicious looking trash bag and alerted authorities, but nothing ever came of it. So he was this meter reader and all of these meter readers knew of like certain places they could go to urinate off just the side of the road, like private areas with woods and stuff so they wouldn't be seen. And he stopped in this area to pee, saw this suspicious looking trash bag, reported it, didn't look called 911 and um, he, 
he he even said like you know I know this whole Casey Anthony thing is going on Kaylee Anthony I know this girl's missing I'm not saying it has anything to do with that but just in case I thought I'd give you guys a heads up nobody ever came okay then it was reported that the area was already searched so the responding officer that day didn't look any further so he calls again okay he actually ends up calling thir- three times the third time he calls on August 13th, okay, he calls on the 11th, the 12th, and the 13th. And he offers at this point to meet with the police officer because he keeps going out there and Roy keeps seeing the bag. So he's like, what the hell? Can he I see keep... the school? No, he Does only he see sees the bag. the bag. So at this point, he calls offering to meet with a police officer because Roy believes it could be related to the missing toddler. The deputy who met him out there began walking out there, slipped and fell and just decided, F this, I'm not going out any further. And then the deputy proceeded to berate Roy for wasting his time and left. No way. Yeah, that officer was eventually fired for negligence. But just imagine all the evidence that could have been intact had authorities actually done their job because by December, all that was left was bones and very little forensic evidence. But can you imagine how different this story would have turned out? I mean, he already, he freaking saw the bag. Like, that part just blows my mind. That would have been within a month. Yeah, within two months. Well, yeah, within a month of month her of being reported, but within two months of, yeah. So, I mean, who knows what they could have been able to find. So, anyway, it wasn't until he was back in that same spot in December that he actually took it upon himself to use his meter reader stick to prod the bag, and that's when he oh found the skull. gosh, it's nuts. Yeah. So fast forward to the trial. The the prosecution's argument rested heavily on the odor in the trunk, the hair found in the trunk, and the chloroform that was found in the trunk. Their theory was that Casey used chloroform to kill Kaylee, then put her in the trunk before dumping her body somewhere else. So let's go through these pieces of evidence used by the prosecution. Chloroform, do you know what chloroform is? Yeah, so those of you who don't know, chloroform is a deadly chemical that's been used in the past to put someone to sleep, but it can be fatal if it's used in high doses. So when the police searched the family's home, they took the computer and found in the computer search history terms... Chloroform ingredients or some shit. Yes. Oh my gosh. Chloroform, quote, alcohol, quote, acetone, which are the ingredients in chloroform, how to make chloroform, and even neck breaking. So they tied together the traces of chloroform and the search history to come up with a theory that Casey killed Kaylee with chloroform. I know. It's horrible. And then um, this didn't come up until after the trial, but apparently the person who searched the family computer was either in training or was like a novice at it because I guess they only searched like one of the hard drives or something like without going deeper and they missed a search that was conducted on that uh, family computer that was foolproof suffocation. Someone in the home searched foolproof suffocation, but that never came up through the trial because whoever it was that did that conducted the search on their hard drive never found that until later. Yeah. So This may have been one of the biggest mistakes made by the prosecution because they really stuck to this theory rather than offer other possibilities of how Casey could have killed Kaylee. Casey never graduated from high school, so the idea that she could just whip up some chloroform in her home is a bit of a stretch. And the process of making chloroform does include the ingredients that she searched for, but 
you have to distill the solution in order to actually use it. And distilling is a very complicated process that requires special tools that aren't just found in anybody's home. So let's talk about the odor in the trunk, okay? Cindy calls and said, it smells like there's been a dead body in the damn car. Decomposing bodies have a very unique scent. And even though cadaver dogs hit on the car for the smell of decomposition, the defense argued that Casey had put garbage in the trunk and that she totally forgot it was there. And even Casey's mom, Cindy, who originally made the comment that it seems like there's been, or that it smells like there's been a dead body in the damn car, argued in Casey's defense, her mom said that there was a pizza in the trunk rotting. But if that's the case, why would dogs hit on the trunk for the smell of decomposition? Can cadaver dogs decipher the difference between rotten garbage that might contain decomposing animal product like beef or pepperoni and a rotting human body? Like that was a question that they came up with. So in an experiment done with a trained cadaver dog, a dog was put in a car lot and three of the cars in the lot contained various types of decomposition. I just think this is interesting, which is why I'm including it. But one car had just trash. One had animal decomposition and the third was human decomposition. And without fail, the dog only alerted to the car with human decomposition. Their noses, I guess, are just so finely tuned to detect human decomp that there is little room for error here. So the fact that the dogs hit on Casey's trunk. Telltale. I mean, yeah, but apparently it's not like a foolproof science. And sometimes you can get false positives because let's say in, in this case, Casey put Kaylee's body in the trunk of the car and then moved it. Well, that body still left like a, a picture or like a frame, a scent frame in that trunk. So the dogs hit on it, even though there wasn't a body there. So they consider right. that a false positive just because her body's not still there, crazy. which so, I think is bullshit. I mean, yeah. at one point or at what point do you just say like, let's have some common sense here. Like not everything has to be explained 100% by science. At some point we have to use our common sense. Logic. Yes. So what, what was the argument against the hair in the trunk? So the hair in the trunk that belonged to Kaylee. So when a body dies, hair undergoes a process called post-mortem banding, which essentially marks the hair after someone dies. When someone dies and the decomposition process begins, it leaves a dark band on the hair near the root. And it usually takes two to three days for this to occur. The hair that they found in Casey's trunk did contain that banding and it did belong to Kaylee. However, the defense argued that this isn't an exact science either, and that sometimes the pH levels in unique conditions can affect someone's hair in a similar way. So like, you know, water, if you go swimming, I guess, sometimes it can produce a similar effect. But again, like, are we just ridding ourselves of common sense here? Like, So what was the argument against the searches, search history? So the argument against that was that Cindy Anthony made those searches, that she was actually trying to search chlorophyll because she had some plant that was dying in her house and she was <laughs> trying to find, yeah. So this is where the foolproof uh, suffocation, if it would have been found sooner. Would yes, have been could have been big. really big. And then the argument on the search um, containing neck breaking was that Cindy Anthony came upon some video you know, like one of those fail videos of skateboarders falling oh, and getting hurt. Oh, you just want to check it out. I got you, Cindy. <laughs> I feel you, Cindy. If you're out there and you watch this, I get that. But here's the I other thing. The, the prosecuting attorney was able to point out that Casey is the only person who could have made those searches because Cindy would have been at work at the time the searches were made. Look, but here's Cindy the video still, I watched. 
skateboarding still, fail video. I can't imagine that. Like if my daughter was being accused of killing my granddaughter and like, I, I just can't wrap my head around that. Like, how can you defend your daughter in that? In so that... what was the defense against the chloroform in the trunk? What do you mean? What was the, what was their reasoning against the oh, traces the of the chloroform in the trunk? That it was left by the trash. That Does it that was just from trash? No, but the, like they brought in this scientist that tried to do the prosecuting attorneys brought in a scientist that was able to like do these air testing samples, and all the defense did was just kind of like question his credibility. So the the defense, all they had to do here was place seeds of doubt in the jury. That's all they had to do. Does the jury ultimately decide a hundred percent? Yes, a hundred percent, one hundred percent. It's if, up to the jury. So in, in in order to prove her guilty or not guilty. It has to be 100% of the jury unanimous. that she's guilty. Yes, it has to be a unanimous vote. Unanimous if, to me would mean like 9 out of 10. You're no, saying it has to be 100%. Unanimous is 10 out of 10. If there are 10 jurors, all 10 have to agree that she is guilty or not so are guilty. Are you allowed to tell me yet how many said what? Well, they all agreed. I'll, I'll get to that point. Okay. But here's the thing. If they, even if one person with common sense could have said, I don't know, this does, this just doesn't sit well right or sit well with me. Like I very strongly believe she did it. I, I can't say one way or the other. Then that would be a hung jury. It would be a mistrial and they'd have to retry her. It happens all the time. So that's what how blows me away. How many trials were they on this? One. One and done. In all 10. How many is there? I don't know. Probably. I don't know. Let's say there's but, 10. But say there's 10. All 10 of them agreed that she was not guilty. Not guilty. Yeah. What? I mean, it's well known by now. Like the the jury, you know, decided she was not all guilty. All of the jury, despite all this evidence, yes. I don't so, understand that. Yeah. Well, here's here's what happened. The defense, all they had to do was prove, or no, I'm sorry. The defense, all they had to do was place a seed of doubt in the jurors' minds because. So they didn't have to necessarily think she wasn't guilty. They just had to say we can't say she's guilty. Yes, because here's here's. So there was where, probably some jurors that were sitting there going. I don't know. I don't want to make her guilty because I'm not hundred percent sure. Yes, because they they drove it home that if you even strongly believe that Kaylee did it or that Casey did it, see I keep messing up their names. Yeah. Even if you strongly believe Casey did it, you have to return a verdict of not guilty because the only way you can deliver a verdict of guilty is if you one hundred percent believe to your core, to your bones, that she did it. But I believe that, you believe that. I know. I think but, everybody listening probably believes that. Right, but here's the problem. The defense couldn't prove that Casey did do it because they couldn't prove that George didn't do it or that Cindy didn't do it. Like, uh, or that so they Tony Lazaro couldn't do it. Else. So that she was murdered, but they said Casey's, it could have been not been Casey, guys. Yeah, so the defense, when they come in, they start saying that... So when they're saying Cindy did the searches, now some of the jurors are going, maybe Cindy killed her. Yeah, well, no, well, I mean, not Cindy, but George, yeah. So the defense went in on Casey's dad. They accused him, They in their opening arguments, they accused him of sexual abuse towards Casey, beginning at a very young age. And this came out of nowhere. They were very graphic in their depiction of Casey's childhood. And to say this came out of left field doesn't even do it justice. The defense was reaching beyond belief to paint absolutely anyone else as the responsible party other than Casey. So this is just another heartbreaking blow to the Anthony family. And the fact that Casey sat there and allowed her attorney to just bash her own dad and say, 
um, that he was essentially responsible for Haley's death. And not only that, but also he was a pedophile. It's sickening like that she would allow that to happen to her own family. So they, they declare, the defense declares, that Kaylee drowned in the family's swimming pool and that a controlling George Anthony helped cover it up. They insisted that this was an accident, not a murder, and that the defense, and then the defense did a great job of really hammering at home that unless the jury was sure without a single degree of reasonable doubt, she should not be guilty. They even put up a visual graph of everything that would warrant a not verdict or a not guilty verdict, all the way up to strongly believe was not guilty. So the defense is trying to say that she died in a pool. Yeah, the defense says. Then why was she dumped in the woods? Exactly. I don't know. I, they, their argument was that George made her cover it up, but that still doesn't say why. So why? did anybody get arrested on this whole deal? No. So regardless, they're saying, "Hey, she was murdered." Yeah, they're saying she died. They're not saying that she was well, murdered. They're saying it was it up, an accident. Though, okay, but if you covered it up, there's a problem. Yeah. I mean... So it makes sense. No, it really doesn't. But that wasn't one of the charges. Like, the destruction of a corpse, like, that was not a charge. So, I mean, maybe they could have gotten her on that had it been on the list. But they didn't even include that. That makes sense. I know. Nothing does. So, at the end of the day, there was no scientific evidence that Casey and Casey alone was the one who caused Kaylee's death because, <clears throat> because nobody could even answer without or with scientific proof how Kaylee died, when, where, and by who. There was no scientific evidence. Even though common sense tells you absolutely Casey did it, but common sense does not equal scientific evidence. Well, even if common sense tells you Casey did it, which I believe that. Yes. Common sense... Okay, go take some common sense out of it. Common common sense still tells you they hid the body and somebody was involved in something sketchy. Yeah. And nobody was charged. Nobody. So after closing arguments, the jury took 10 hours to reach to reach a verdict. And I remember where I was. I was at work and I was working for an eye doctor at the time and they had a TV like in the waiting area. And I was standing up watching because I knew this was the day. I was like, they're gonna announce it today. I'm watching. And they said, not guilty on everything except for lying to the police. And the public was completely outraged. I remember my jaw dropping, my hands coming to my head like, you've got to be fucking kidding me. This bitch is gonna walk free for killing her daughter. I, I was blown away. Like, I had spent so much time watching the interviews that she did with her parents while she was in jail, and just like the narcissism. She just bled, seeped with narcissism. It was so painful to watch, and I'm just like, I cannot wait to watch this bitch go down. Is like, she still on, t- I'm, looking, I'm trying to Instagram her right now. Is she on she's not gonna media? be on any social media. No, absolutely not. So, it's gonna be some meme pages or something. Oh, I'm sure. But the public was completely outraged. Gosh, look at this little cute girl. I know, she's adorable. I know. It's awful. So she was sentenced to four years in prison for lying to the police, but with credit for time served and good behavior, she was released 10 days later after her trial was over. This is Casey Anthony as a teenager with her father, George. The two are now estranged and don't have a regular communication anymore. Yeah. I mean, can you blame him? So now Casey Anthony is just living life somewhere in Florida, we assume. But she's been living in hiding. Is she in like witness protection? 
No, they don't do witness protection for people like pieces think of they shit. Would, but no, this is already such shit. No, they do that for victims. They Casey do that Anthony for. Casey Anthony in 2017, a paparazzi shot in Florida. Yeah. So, so she still goes by Casey Anthony. Yes, and no, since then she's, she's even done interviews. She's done interviews where someone asked her, "So what do you think happened to Kaylee?" And she says, "I don't know. I really don't know." And it's like. You don't know. Your defense claimed that she drowned in a pool and that your dad made you get rid of her. How can you now say you don't know? Like, that just proves again you were lying. It makes me so angry. This is, yeah, this yeah. is a frustrating case. Yeah, it's Here's Casey so Anthony frustrating. Here's Casey anti-Trump rally in Palm Beach, Florida in 2016. Oh, jeez. I don't think she has the right to be anti-anything at this point because I think the entire world is anti-Casey. She was, she was... Like, dubbed the most hated woman in America. How could she not be? This is nuts. I know. Now I see why you say you were frustrated about it. Yes. It was so frustrating because she just got away with it. She freaking got away with it. And now there's been no justice. No one else has been charged. And it's just, the case is closed. This is wild. Yeah. So what this case has taught me is that you can get away with murder as long as you play your cards right. And that the justice system... That's what it's taught you, huh? Yeah. You, yeah, that's scary coming and from that a the woman just- who just watches the <laughs> shit out of crime stuff all the time. A little bit Here of snapped. And that the justice system is riddled with flaws that allow monsters to get away with the most deplorable acts by disallowing common sense in the courtroom. That's my conclusion. Well, she's guilty. It really, it's really like messed up though when you think about it. Like that's Super our justice. Sad. I'm sitting here looking at pictures of her daughter. This is wild. But I mean, this isn't an isolated in- incident. Like there, this tells you this can happen in any case as long as a defense attorney can place seeds of doubt in juries' minds and place strictly to the rules that the only way you can come up with a guilty verdict is if you have absolute proof. Well, that's shitty because if a defense attorney is manipulative enough. And to, to like brainwash the jury, then all it takes is either one person to say, well, I don't know, I'm with the prosecuting attorneys or everyone in this case, everyone, he was able to manipulate everyone into believing that Casey didn't do it. He made them go against their, their common sense and their gut and their instinct. So you're, uh, it's insane. So you, you, I think you said this already, where's the Tony guy? Oh, so he ended up having nothing to do with it, um, but he was pretty floored. And he hasn't done any interviews since. Like, I wasn't able to find any, at least. I've seen a lot of interviews with the roommates who remembered Kaylee as, like, a very sweet and loving, smart girl. She could count to 20 in English and Spanish at the age of two or three, like a very, very young age. And, um, And they thought of Casey as, like, a cool chick. And now they're like, now I just believe she's a liar. Like... I mean, how can you not? That's wild. Well, good job, Mama Mystery. Thank you. I want to thank you for listening. And I want to thank my fiance for joining me. Thanks, Austin. Maybe I'll bring you on next time. Do you think you'll do another one with me? Sure, this is wild. Yeah, it was pretty wild. I only do the wild ones. Until next time, stay vigilant and thanks for listening. Mm